Let's jump into it. Uh, Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 5. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. Uh, again, if you're new here, we welcome you. So excited that you're here. Would you do me a favor? Don't leave uh, just right away after service. Stop by our welcome tent. We've got something we want to place uh, in your hands and just say thank you for coming to hang with us. Uh, but Mark chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. If you got it, say I got it. Cool. If you see Genesis, you got to keep on flipping. If you see Revelation, you are too far in the back. Mark chapter 1. Here we go. It says this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance. In other words, John is preaching a message that says, turn away from living for yourself and turn towards get ready to live a life after Christ. What repentance means sometimes, you know, that word has been hijacked. And so, you know, you may hear it, you know, come from a person, repent, you know, a voice like that. And you're turned off by it immediately. But all it means to repent is to say, you know, I was living this way, Michael's way, and I was fulfilling all of the desires that Michael wanted. But I'm repenting, and I'm saying no to my desires, and I'm turning around. I've changed my mind, but not just to change mind, but a change direction to live in a way towards Jesus. And this is what John the Baptist is preaching. Now, verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for who, who you are. God, thank you for this space that we get to share together. God, we love you. We honor you. God, we need your presence. Thank you that you're here. Incline our ears. Allow us to hear what you're speaking to us. Open up our eyes and allow us to see what it is that you're showing us, Lord. And we say this as your servant. Speak, Lord, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said, come on, come on, church. Everybody said, amen, amen. Well, uh, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday is uh, the moment that uh, we celebrate as Christians where Jesus was making uh, his triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem. He was preparing uh, to go uh, spill out his life, if you will, uh, for you and I. He's making his entry, and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're laying down uh, palm branches. They're taking off uh, their cloaks. Uh, it was a way to prepare the way for a king. It was a way taking off their cloaks was that we're, we're taking off who we are because a cloak meant a lot in those days. It, it represented identity and all that. And by them taking off their cloaks and laying it before him was them saying, we're laying down who we are and we're making way for you. And so that's what today is. Today uh, is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of what is known as Holy Week or Passion Week. It's the, the final seven days of Jesus's earthly ministry uh, here on earth. And, and here uh, we just read about John the Baptist, who was the one saying, prepare the way for the Lord. He was known as the forerunner. He was known as the one who came before Jesus to prepare 
the way for Jesus. And everything about John the Baptist's life, it pointed towards Jesus. Everything he did, the way he taught, the, the way he had disciples as well, and the way he discipled them was preparing for the one who was coming, preparing for Jesus. And so with that in mind, here's what I want to ask all of us today. How are we preparing the way for others to encounter Jesus? How with our lives, how with the moments we have with people, how with the time and space and energy that we get around others, how are we preparing the way? Do we live in such a way that it prepares the way for people to encounter Jesus? Now, the mission of the Becoming Church, and I believe not just the mission of the Becoming Church, but I believe this should be a mission for those of us who follow Jesus. But our mission is this, that we exist to help others live closer to God. So if you follow Jesus, if he is Lord and Savior of your life, then I believe that should be our mission because ultimately it's fulfilling the great commission with which we have all been commissioned by Jesus to fulfill. So how with the normal mundane task and moments that we have, how are we preparing the way for others to encounter Jesus? And so today, I want to give us, I want to make some observations on ways that we can prepare the way ahead of Easter Sunday. And listen, this is not something that, hey, we're going to employ this ahead of Easter, and then the next week we're going to drop it. <laughs> but this is really a way for us to, to put into action, a plan for us to put into action from this moment on. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to encourage you to take notes. In fact, if you haven't downloaded the TBC app, uh, it's available in the Google Play Store or uh, on iTunes. And uh, you can search the Becoming Church and it'll pop up and go ahead and download it. And you can actually follow along today uh, with the message and take notes. But the first observation that we're going to make this morning in regards to how we are preparing the way for others is this. Share the reason we have hope. Can you say that with me? Share the reason we have hope. Look at 1 Peter 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I like that part right there. Do this with gentleness and respect. So not like at, at some large events or maybe, you know, some random protest. I remember one year we went down to... Um, Mardi Gras to do some street uh, evangelism. And, you know, there's our group of 400-something people. And then there's uh, this other group that was there as well with the megaphones yelling, you're going to die, you're going to go to hell. That's not it. That is not what the Apostle Peter is leading us into. But saying, listen, as you share the reason, because that's not hope at all, that's condemnation. And the God that we serve, he doesn't condemn us, he convicts us. And what conviction says is I'm giving, my grace is extending an opportunity for you to recenter your life with my will. Now, sometimes conviction hurts, and we may think it's condemnation, but it's not. It's, a time, it's an opportunity to be realigned with the will of God for our life. What condemnation says is, look how you messed up. Look at your issues. Look at your flaws. All you do is consistently get it wrong. So that's not the God we serve, and that's not how he operates. So even this idea of sharing the reason we have hope, it's always laced with grace. It's always uh, is involves gentleness and respect. So with this idea of sharing our reason for hope is basically 
sharing our story. What's your story? What's your testimony? And all of us in here this morning, we have one. But maybe you could be like me. If I'm honest this morning, and you say this morning, if you come back next week, I won't be as honest is what I'm saying. That's a joke, and I'm glad that many of you got it. <laughs> but being honest this morning, uh, just as a Christian, um, and especially once I stepped into full-time ministry, I was embarrassed uh, of my story, of my testimony. I really didn't think I had a testimony, to be quite honest. And I wasn't embarrassed um, by it because, you know, it was so messy and dirty and crazy. The reason why I was embarrassed by it was I felt like I didn't have a story. I felt like I didn't have a testimony because it was too clean, or at least the perception of it, I should say. Because I would be in these rooms around other pastors, and they'll be talking about their story, and it'll be about how God delivered them from you know, drugs and sex and alcohol and, and all these things. And I'm looking like, but I don't, I don't have that story like that, not in the way that they're detailing it. So I begin to ask God, well, I'm pretty sure they're effective. They're very effective at what they do. So then how can I be effective at that if then I can't, re- I can't, I can't level with people in the same way? How do I do that? But it's in that moment, <laughs> in fact, before I say that, I remember I was connecting with this ministry uh, network, and you had to fill out this application, and it said, you know, share your testimony, write out your testimony. I was like, God is good? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're looking for here. I don't, I don't know what to, to put. But it was kind of in moments like that where I feel like the Lord was like, have you ever considered this, son? That the, 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 your story, your testimony, is not necessarily what I delivered you from, but could it be is what I kept you from? That it's okay if your story isn't that God delivered me from drugs, he delivered me from alcohol, he delivered me from sexual perversion. It, uh, perversion. it, it doesn't have to be that. Could it be that I kept you from those things? And now you have to get to this point and realize that no matter if your story is what God has kept you from, excuse me, delivered you from, so no matter if your story is what God has delivered you from or if it's what he has kept you from, can I tell you what is the common thing that is right there in the middle of them? It's God. That no matter if it's he delivered me from this or he kept me from this, it's God's grace, it's God's faithfulness, it's God's mercy, it's God's sovereignty, it's who he is that has delivered us from and also kept us from. So here's what I'm saying. You have a story. That you have a reason for the hope you have. And do not allow the enemy to cause you to feel shame because you have a story of what he kept me from. Because it's a story of God's faithfulness in your life. And on the same end, do not allow the enemy to cause you to feel shame because your story is what God delivered me from. Because it's a picture of God's grace and his mercy and his hand on your life. Even when you weren't even considering him, he was concerned 
considering you. He was thinking about you. And you said, but it was rough and it was difficult. But do you know what it could have been? It was his grace and his mercy that kept you. Amen? So never allow yourself to be ashamed of your story because God is in the middle of that story, no matter if it's what I've been delivered from or kept from. And I'll say this, sometimes we got to make sure that we're careful and we don't glorify what we've been delivered from. Ooh, if y'all would have known me, I'm trying to tell you. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night. (laughs) And then you just leave it right there. No, 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 you got to finish it. I'm not going to glorify the struggle. I'm going to glorify the one who delivered me out of the struggle. Now, on that same end, ooh, that's what you did? I ain't get involved with that. Mm-mm, I didn't allow myself to get into that. No, no, no. It wasn't you keeping you from that. It was God's grace. So what is the point that I'm making? We always point to God. He is the reason we have hope, and he is the reason why we are where we are. Amen? So listen, as you share the reason you have hope, as you share your story, take people on a journey with you. Allow them to see how you got to where you are. Uh, Because oftentimes, you know, with Christians, we can get in this thing where we just start speaking Christianese. And people are like, yo, I don't know what you're saying. Like, come on, let's offer the Lord. Let's give a clap offering. A clap offering? What is that? How you do that? Are we used things, these, this word like, man, you know, I just was in a season. You were in fall? Yeah, yeah, I like fall. <laughs> like, what does that take people on a, are y'all tracking with me? This more like take people on that journey, that process of how you got to where you are. There's nothing wrong with those. I use the word season. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying Everybody don't speak Christianese, and maybe that's a good thing, too. But, but here's what this, this journey that you can take people on is get them to the point of, reali- of, of showing them how you realize you needed Christ. Allow them to see, like, yo, I was trying to fill my life with all these things. I was trying to fill it with drugs. I was trying to fill it uh, with partying and all these other things. I was trying to fill it with, with promotion after promotion, new business after new business, car after car, house after house, clothes after clothes, shoes after All these things I was trying to fulfill it with. And once I attained and got those things, I still felt the same emptiness. And it was that moment that I realized I needed Christ. Allow people to see that. Walk people through that journey. Here's what else you can do. Walk them through how you committed your life to Christ. Because, listen, it's one thing to recognize that you need Christ, but it's another thing to then make that commitment to live for him and allow him to be the one that fulfills you. Like, for example, I know that I need to change my diet and include more green things on my plate. I've realized that. Corey, I can't say I've necessarily committed to that as I was eating Rosie's last night. So once you've made that commitment, like, yo, walk people through that. I realize I needed Christ, and then here's how I got to commit to Christ. And you're going to hear this at the end today. 
I'm going to give an opportunity for people to respond, and, I, and, and I'm probably going to say this. If today is not the day, that's okay because it's a, it's a journey. In, in the Western culture, we, we, we lead with um, salvation-led discipleship. So we say this, get saved and then begin the journey of discipleship. But that's not the way that Jesus orchestrated it. He led with discipleship-led salvation, meaning he said, yo, you fishermen, come follow me. He didn't say, do you believe in me as Lord and Savior? Okay, you do. Now follow me. He just said simply, follow me. So if you're not ready at any given point to make that commitment, okay, that's cool. I'm going to keep praying for the Spirit of God to soften your heart and work on your heart so that one day you will say yes, because here's the thing. I can't save you. I can only do as like Paul says, I can be an ambassador, I can make an appeal, but it's the Spirit of God who convicts our heart. So we have to have Jesus to even say yes to Jesus, that he has to give us faith to have faith in him, and it's the Holy Spirit who does that. So walk people on that journey like, yeah, I was in there on Sundays, hands up. But I had a, it was, and they stay there for, for me, I had to, some of y'all got that. But it was a journey before I actually started living for him. So allow people to see how you committed to your life to Christ. And then here's another part of it. Let people see how Christ made the difference in your life. Now, that, that's very important. Because if people are like, oh, I didn't even know. We got to do some self-evaluation, right? Because there's got to be a marked difference that we're different. Like the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, all like, like the fruit, what we display from our connection, right? It's like, you know, if this phone needs to get charged, it has to get connected to a source. So when we get connected to the source that God is, there's an output that it brings in our lives. And that's the fruit of the spirit that is the difference. So it's not just a nice person. No, connected to God supersedes what we may call a nice person because we're connected to the source that allows us to live in such a way that on our worst day that we can still have joy just as much on our best day. So we have to allow people to see how Christ has made the difference because he is the difference maker. And let me say this, different from or here's, here's the perspective we need to have. We're not better than, but we're different from. So sometimes Christians got to be careful that we don't live with this, this idea that we're better than you because of what we discovered. Like, no, you're, you're not better. You've just encountered the difference. And so the responsibility we have is to prepare the way for others to encounter that same difference. Are you tracking with me this morning? Oh, come on, anybody tracking with me this morning? There we go. So, again, we're making observations on how to prepare the way for people to encounter Christ. And so the first observation uh, is to share the reason we have hope. And here's the second one, to share my church. We need to share our church. You know, we try to design Sunday mornings in a way that you can feel comfortable with inviting your friends and family to attend with you. Now, I want to explain that when I say to feel comfortable I want folks to feel comfortable in showing up in this environment and connecting and worshiping God together corporately. Now, I hope they feel uncomfortable, meaning this, that who they are 
is clashing with who God is and it's making you kind of feel a little uncomfortable. You, are you tracking with me? That you're, that you're not being condemned, but you're being convicted to see like, ooh, I, I, I need to submit this area of my life to God. Ooh, I need to give that part of my life to God. And so, yeah, it's making me squirm a little bit in my chair, but it's a good thing, right? When you go to the gym and lift, lift weights or hit the treadmill, it's not comfortable, but it's good for you. Are you tracking with me? So we want you to feel comfortable in the sense that, oh, yeah, they feel welcome. Like somebody waves, smiles, hey, it's so good to see you and gently, uh, uh, genuinely meant it. But I want all of us to always feel a little bit uncomfortable in here. You know, some people will say, man, it's such a good vibe at the Becoming Church. And I'll be like, no, I don't want you to catch vibes at the Becoming Church. I want you to catch vision at the Becoming Church. Vision for your life, for your family, for your marriage, for your future. And sometimes catching that vision, we get a little uncomfortable because we in, there's the tension of who we are and who God is calling us to be. Are you tracking with me this morning? So here, let's get practical. Find someone far from God and have them sit with you at least two Sundays a year. So I'm not saying every single Sunday, just two Sundays a year. That's it. So boom, Easter, boom, Christmas. Now, you can do more than that. You know, don't just settle for the bare minimum. But I'm just saying, just pick two Sundays a year and invite people with you. And you say, oh, so what are you trying to do? Are you trying to grow a big church? Absolutely not. We're 13 months old. And from the very beginning, we said this, that we're not trying to grow a big church. We're just trying to grow big people. Now, numbers matter. Because, you know, some people say, oh, numbers don't matter. And they do because a number represents a person. A person has a soul, right? And, 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 and there's a place for that soul to spend eternity. So it matters. So numbers do matter. But here's the difference. I don't want to fill a room to be like, yo, this is how many people we had in a room, but we're really shallow. And, 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 and we're just surface level, and there's, there, we're not rooted. So I don't want that. No, no, no. I want us to, to go deep, to dig deep, so that when the wind comes, when the waves come, and it gets rocky, that, that we have built our life on a firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. So the, the whole goal, idea of the Becoming Church is not to stand here on Sundays and, and, and you know, preach like tech, TED Talks with a little bit of scripture and tell you, like, yo, you're going to live your best life kind of thing. Now, can we be inspired? Can we be encouraged? Absolutely. But it... I would be doing the, the, the scriptures a disservice if I didn't say, like, yo, I want you to live your best life now, but sometimes some difficult stuff happens. And so I think what happens when people walk away from church is that um, Western church has always, we've, we've kind of got TED talkish, and we're like, yo, live your best life now, and then difficult stuff happens. Loss of a job, loss of a family member, a difficult diagnosis, or they experienced somebody in church who didn't um, walk in the fruit of the spirit. And so then that person just leaves church because, well, then they were never developed that it's possible that those things can occur and happen. So as we 
So when I say invite folks to church, it's not for number's sake, but it's so that we can grow as big people rooted in deep faith in who God is. So no matter what comes our way, we're rooted and we're standing firm and we're still walking as believers in this world. Are y'all tracking with me today? So this idea of sharing our church, I'm not making it up. Look what Jesus said. Luke 14, 23. He says, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So he's saying, go out. So go to the gym, go to Publix, go to work, go to wherever you are and compel people to come in. And here's how we do that. We pray for them. Here's another practical way to do that. Keep a list in your phone of people that you're praying for. Family members, friends, coworkers, the random person that y'all have the same schedule and you're always walking to the gym at the same time and, you know, you're like, what's the small talk going to be today? Oh, man, that weather Friday night, that was something else, right? You, you, you know we all have that person. So that person, you don't know their name, so find out their name and then put it in your phone and pray for them. And listen, even if some, some people that you are praying for and you invite them and they say no, that's fine. But continue to pray for them. Here's what else. Add value to them. Because, listen, we can tell people that we care, but people won't know that you actually care until we're actually adding value to folks. That they don't seem that like they're another project that we're trying to get something from them. That it's not about, we have to have a perspective that it's not about us trying to get something from people, but we're trying to get something to people. That we're trying to get hope to you. We're trying to get joy to you. We're trying to get love to you. We're trying to get forgiveness to you. How are we adding value to people? And I remember in the pre-launch phase of our church, we would host these things called startup parties in different areas around the city. Uh, And then oftentimes out of those meetings... Uh, my wife and I, Katie, we would have meetings with people that, you know, wanted to connect further, that had some questions about, you know, what, what is this thing, the becoming? Because some people are like, is that a new brunch place? And we're like, no, it's a church. <laughs> and um, sometimes sitting across the table, you can kind of feel it where people are like, ah, this guy just, they just want something from us. And I get it, it could, you know, past experience with this, that, or, any, or the other. And, and we would just do our best to let you know, like, Listen, I can't make you come anywhere. I can't make you do anything. We're just uh, inviting you to something to be a part of that we feel like God has ordained, that God has set in motion. And if you choose to connect with that, awesome. If you don't, awesome. How can we pray for you and believe for you? There, there have been people that have come here and then it was like, yo, not, not really feeling it. And I said, okay, man, I got a list of churches that I can recommend to you. And people's face are always like, what? And I'm like, yes, because the reason this church is here is because it's an answer to a prayer for specific people. That's not the entire city, (laughs) but it's for specific people that needed an expression of church like this. And that's why this church is here. So some people are going to walk in. They're like, yo, the music is great. It's awesome. Great. The message was so, so everything was awesome. But I don't think this is a place for me to connect. And then you know what I'll say? Cool. Here's a list of folks that I, I think are great ministries to connect to. And that throws people off because they're not used to that. But the idea has to be how are we adding value to people? So as you share the reason you have hope, as you share your church, make sure we're adding value to people as well. 
And then obviously along with that, um, in some instances, invite people to church. 84% is the number where people are typically would respond with a yes uh, to an invitation. So more than some social media ads, more than um, a mailer that we'll send out, but a personal invitation. And it may take you several times, but people are 84% of the time are more likely to respond. And again, when, when they get here, we're not going to embarrass you. I'm like, I can't believe I didn't invite. He's not normally like this. I'm sorry. Like, like that's, that's, not, that's not what we want to do. If you said that today, then, I just, you know, it's too late. But that's, that's, not, that's not the goal. We try to structure the service so that the unbeliever and the believer can both be equipped and be ministered to. And listen, I'll tell you some of the best times to invite folks. So, again, I'm not telling you to pressure. Do this all year. But, you know, we have relationship series. We just finished one in February. And because and, people love to hear about themselves. So it's like that's going to be a great time to invite people out. Easter, obviously, right? Or in September, we're going to uh, do a collection where we're going to take some time and answer some tough questions that we all have, like how to change, how to deal with family, how to deal with difficult people, things like that. It's a great time to invite people. And, of course, Christmas time. So, so we'll tell you, here's some great times and moments to invite people out. So we're making these observations, and we said we need to share the reason we have hope. We need to share our church, and here's the final one this morning. Uh, we need to share Christ. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions um, about pastoring here in the South, because uh, I have some friends who are on the West Coast, you know, out in Phoenix or East Coast, and they'll say, man, dude, it's got to be easy to get people uh, in the building on Sunday morning. And I'm like, bro, you need to lose that um, idea of the South that, that you had, because that South is gone. In fact, that South has been gone uh, for quite some time, because what you face in the South uh, is... Uh, someone who says, well, you know, my granny, she go to church, so I'm a Christian. <laughs> I showed up on Easter, you know, two years ago. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a God-fearing man. <laughs> and so you deal with the thing of, like, people thinking that they're uh, walking with Jesus when they're not just because, you know, grandma went to church. Uh, whereas, like, you know, East Coast is like, nah, I don't go to church. So you, you have a more clear idea of what you're dealing with. So in, in some instances, it's a little bit uh, more difficult uh, in this setting. And here's also about the city, the area that we live in, Huntsville, Madison area. We have a lot of people in this city that are not from here. A lot of you are those people. You're from California. You're from Chicago. You're from uh, the West Coast, like all these other areas. And so we have a lot of that. Huntsville is a melting pot uh, city. And so you have a lot of different contexts and, and different cultural backgrounds uh, that make it different here in the South. And one thing about this, uh, or in the city, and but in the South in general, there are 60%, according to Barna Research, 60% of people will never step foot onto a church campus. So it doesn't matter. It's 80% in other places across the nation. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Uh, all, you can do all the inviting you want. You can do all the kind of crazy kind of series. You can do at the movie. You can do whatever. And they are going to say, I'm not coming. So what do we do? We have to know how to share Christ ourselves. So as Mike, if you come up and help me land this plane, 
I want to give some ways that we can share Christ. And I think it looks like this. We have to start uh, with the problem. We have to see, we have to allow people to know what the problem is, and that problem is sin. Romans 3.23, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that's all of us. That's me, that's you, that's, that's us. We all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. So there's the glory of God, the weightiness of God, of who he is. And because of our sin, we fall short in that. We don't, we don't measure up. We don't quite meet it. And you may say, well, fall short of sin. I'm not a sin. I'm a nice person. I'm a, I'm a good person. Uh, you know, I help the old lady across the street. I hold the door. I do all these nice things. I donate to this foundation and to that foundation. What do you mean all have sin? Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. So when Adam and Eve, when they ate that fruit that God told them not to, it was the moment that sin entered the world and it flowed from them to all of us. In fact, they couldn't be in the garden anymore because sin and God don't mix. That's how we fall short of God's glory. Because we can't even enter God's presence with sin. Even even the way that they would make atonement for their sin, you see, in the Old Testament. Like, if you came into the holies of holies with sin in your life, like, you could die. Because the sin and the presence of God, they, they can't be together. So you may say, so then what do we do? So we've identified the problem, but what's the fix? How do we get rid of it? How do we handle sin? Well, first of all, understand what sin requires. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what does that mean? Nothing covers sin except for death. So where there is sin, there has to be a death. That's why they would sacrifice the animals. Because there has to be a death. Uh, There has to be a penalty, a payment for sin. And some people will hear this and some people say, well, this whole idea of, of hell, I'm not sure about my theology around that. But, but listen, hell is not a place for people who God is mad with. Hell is a place where people pay for their sins. Because sin requires a payment and that payment is death. But the story is about to get better. Because here's what Jesus did. He is the solution. Look at Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Did you catch that this morning? So the payment, the penalty for sin is death. And here's what Jesus is saying. Here's what scripture says, that while we were still sinners, while we, I love that, while we were yet sinners, 
that Jesus stepped in and he died for us. Look at it this way. You leave here, you go grab lunch, and I'm talking, you hit up Connors, and you order that Borzen filet. I know the menu. <laughs> I didn't. You, you run up a tab, all of it, appetizers, salad, every desserts, the strawberry shortcake one they do, all of it. You get it all. And then your server comes back and says, hey, somebody's already paid for this. You can go ahead and go. So hell is not a place where God sends people that he's mad with. Absolutely not. Hell is a place where people decide to pay for their sins. But you don't have to because Jesus has made that payment. He has stepped in and saying, let me take the bill. I didn't do it. It was yours. You did it. But I'm stepping in and I'm taking your place so you don't have to. So you ate the food, but they paid for it. We are the sinners. We sin. We deserve what he got. But he says, let me step in and take this on. He is the only way. John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. He is I am one of the seven I am statements. He is the way. There is no other way. This idea of universalism, that there are many ways, many avenues to get to the same spot. No. Jesus says, I am the way. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name. It's not in the stars. It's not in the horoscope. It's no other way. No other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way. So listen, church. We can pay for it ourselves or we can respond to what Jesus has done. And he's given us free will and the ability to make that decision. But it leads us to the next thing, the response. This is where we decide. And look at what John 1.12 says. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God by simply believing and accepting what he's done. Accepting this free gift that we didn't earn or deserve. In Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And then he says this, here I am, Revelation 3.20, I'm standing at the door. Jesus is at the door, and he's knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, Here's what he's saying. I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. What is Jesus saying? 
that he wants a relationship. And so over this week and for the rest of our lives, we have this opportunity to prepare the way by giving a reason we have hope, by sharing our church, and by sharing Christ and inviting people into this relationship that Jesus desires to simply dine with us.